Episode of Into the Looking Glass, starkly with your host, Dave Escuro, and our guest today needs almost no introduction. He's both my mentor in film, but also in many regards a mentor in life. He's someone who's never been held back or restrained by opportunity presented to himself. Rather, he's the kind of person who makes his own favor. On his own gumption and will and grit, he's been a writer, a film director, a film producer. He's been an actor. He has had experiences that I still marvel to today, and he's only halfway through. Our guest today is one of my dearest friends, Jude S. Walco, and he's here to celebrate Halloween because this is our Halloween special. I thought rather than um, just talk about horror movies, which we've done in the past and things of that nature, we would look at more of the psychological aspects of Halloween what it means to celebrate the dead, what it means to sort of celebrate the macabre, to face fears, to to revel in fears even. It's a very fascinating holiday when you really think about it in the way that we normally live our lives. And I thought that Jude had amazing perspectives on that, having been someone who's lived uh, in the South, where I was from, but also up North, where he was raised um, in a Catholic uh, cemetery to be a a priest, actually, believe it or not, um, traveling to the West Coast and, and being involved in the film industry and then traveling over to uh, Thailand, not to mention all the travel he's done because of work. So Jude offers such a worldly experience, and, and I thought he did a, an amazing job sharing that experience and perspectives with all of us to think about Halloween from a slightly different perspective than candy and treats and horror movies. So I hope you all enjoy as much as I did. And without further ado, my guest today, film producer Jude S. Walko. Oh, my man, how are you? What's up, brother? I haven't seen you in a long time. You're starting to look like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Old Salty Dog? <laughs> salty Dog, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of... Uh, I don't know, Dave Girl, maybe? I, don't know. <laughs> I sent my mom a photo of me once. When I had a little bit more facial hair grown out, yeah. and her response was, "You started to look like Jesus." Yeah, you do. Which, for my mom, I think I, I take that as the highest compliment. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Well, unfortunately, everyone missed our whole conversation about hockey jerseys, so we're going to quickly recap it. So, I uh, last that. night was our was our world famous Oskiro Halloween house party, Sweet. and uh, it was a uh, it was like the third late night in a row. For yeah. me, that's a, a extreme because uh, Thursday night, we went to go see this fantastic band out of Mexicali called Silent. I've had the singer on the podcast before, Young. Nice. Uh, I, and then on Friday, we went to go see the record release for this band called Dear Boy out of Los Angeles, which is also fantastic. Mm-hmm. Got to meet uh, Lee Farsayer from Prayers. He was very sweet. Oh, cool. But, you know, both nights were up to like two in the morning plus. So then, you know. Uh, and and those were just like I just happened to be scrolling on Instagram and I saw these posts. And I was like, oh shit, we got to go to these bands. Like these are yeah. two favorite bands ever, for sure. And so then we had our Halloween party. So we had guests or what have you. And I didn't drink much. I only had two drinks. I had a beer at the top of the night, and I had a, a vodka at the end of the night. But was, was it a, just a beer or was it a mega pint? It was not a mega pint. It was just a pumpkin spice beer. Okay. But, but it 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 you know three nights in a row of being up to like two three in the morning. Yeah. And being social, not just like sitting around watching TV. That's a that's quite a right. bit. 
I'm I'm a little I'm a little exhausted this morning. This is a, the you know point of that preamble, and so I thought, ah, well, we didn't really plan. Well, we didn't really plan, but two, we didn't really plan to wear like costumes or anything. No. Right. And so and so I thought, well, I'll just I have a I have a, a Chiefs hockey jersey from the movie Slapshot. I'm awesome. the Hanson brothers um, uh, jerseys and it has my favorite number 18 on the back. So I'm, I'm dressed. I got my glasses, my hair is long. So I kind of look like if the Hanson's brothers, mom had an affair with the Mexican mailman. <laughs> yeah. And, and then nine months later you get me. Right. So we yeah. were talking about like we're a hockey jersey. So you, so I'll, I'll yeah. hand the baton over because you yeah. also have a hockey jersey on. Yeah, I said, I said, you know, it's funny because you know I love hockey. I used to, I used to go see the San Jose Sharks back when mm-hmm. they were an expansion team, believe it or not. But uh, I'm not, I'm not a big, fa- you know, like I don't go to a lot of games and stuff. But I just happened to buy this badass hockey jersey, and when you mentioned it, I was like, hang on, I got a, a hockey jersey in my bag of tricks here. So I pulled it out, <laughs> and it's also seasonal. It says, you know. We'll get into this, I'm sure, but I wrote a book about the unhallowed, called The Unhallowed Horseman about the, uh, the Headless Horseman, and this is Sleepy Hollow Horseman, and it has this image of a horseman on you know, a headless horseman throwing a flaming pumpkin. It's bright Halloween orange and purple and black seasonal colors. It's got like a badass jack-o'-lantern patch on the side, um, and I, got, I had it customized to say crane on the back, like Ichabod Crane. Um, and I said, let me fucking throw it on. So here we are wearing our hockey jerseys. That's it. And and the number's 87. I don't, I don't think I got to pick the number, but if you're 18 and I'm 87, if some numerologist wants to tell us what 1887 or what happened in that year, maybe there's some connection. I don't know. Yeah, I bet you if we looked up like strange happenings, like Mothman kind of mysteries <laughs> could have occurred. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. That's great. So how, so how are you, man? I mean, it's been, it has been a long time. And, and honestly, I was thinking about this. Yeah. And correct, and, and you know we're never off work. Really, they're yeah. very rarely we get like true downtime. But for yeah. this, this at least for as long as I've known you, this might be the longest period of time for you. It is between movie projects, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, you and I finished uh, that show in Atlanta in the middle of COVID, right? When the when the uh, mayor of Atlanta was giving curfews and shutting down our show, um, and we eventually yeah. finished that in September of twenty twenty. And yeah. then uh, I went back to Thailand. You know, I got a wife and kids there. For for your listeners who don't know that, I, I sort of base out of there. And I I hadn't been out for two years. That was September 2020. So, and then I, I recently got a job that shot in Thailand. So I was still in Thailand. And then it went to Dubai, United Arab Emirates, which was my first time there. So that was cool. Um so that was the that was the first time my first film in like two years because of the COVID thing. I was just kind of chilling on my farm in Thailand, and 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 the opportunity never came up. And I wasn't really looking either, you know. So it was a combination of that, um, and I was just kind of skating by. And then that show happened in in Dubai, and then I immediately get a call to jump <laughs> on another one in New Jersey. So here we are, live from the Jersey Shore. Uh, Asbury Park, home of Bruce Springsteen. That's where I'm calling you from right now, and I just. Okay. Got- I Have got I ever here. told you my Bruce Springsteen story? No, it's a, now's a perfect time. <laughs> now is a perfect time. No, so the very first time I went to New Jersey, I, it was pre-film, and mm-hmm. I think I'd been sent out to go train at a at a retail shop in New York because they didn't have any stores. Uh, yeah. In the central U.S., they only had them on the coast, predominantly the East Coast. So they they flew me out to go work in the store for a week in Manhattan. 
but yeah. they put me up in New Jersey, which oh. is not that far. Right. Uh, I think it's just a, a short little drive over the George Washington Bridge, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And um, uh, but you know, I've never. You know, this was in in the fall time. Actually, it was in it was in November, I think, because yeah. the last day that I was there was their first snowfall of the season. So oh, I wow. had to drive like on a Friday in <laughs> the snow, oh, being God. from South Texas, where it never snows. <laughs> right, right. And drive into Manhattan of all places to oh, go Lord. do my job. Um, right. But at the beginning of the trip, when I first landed, I flew in and I didn't arrive. I must have landed somewhere around almost midnight because I remember it was either midnight or after midnight when I yeah. uh, got the rental car. Right. Because I, I, you know, got to go through all this. You know, you know how getting rental cars are at the airport at any time of the day, much less at you know late at night yeah. when no one's yeah. awake. So I get this yeah. rental car. Can't find to get all that sorted. This is this is uh, GPS. I don't believe we're on phones at the time. They they must not have been because I yeah. remember thinking. I think they. I think they had like one of those Tom Toms. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. but right. but like this was you know this was well before 2007 maybe 2006 ish. Yeah. So like you don't have you don't have phone technology like we have now. Yeah. So I get in the car and I turn it on and I kid you not, the first song I heard in Bruce in in New Jersey yeah. was Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Born in the USA. Perfect. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It wasn't Born in the USA. It was, it was Dancing in the Dark. Dancing in the dark. Nice, nice. I thought that was a good welcoming to the Jersey Garden State. Um, you know, I, I got a crazy sort of similar story. I, I, I went to the. I think the only time that I actually stopped in Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm -hmm. uh, and I went to. This was re right after they finished Breaking Bad shooting there. So, and again, it was like you said, it was like the middle of the night, right? Like everyone was shut down. It was winter time. I think it was right before Christmas. Very similar story, actually. And uh, I'm driving around in a rental car, and I'm like, I know there's some Breaking Bad, you know, because you could just go on the internet and find Breaking Bad locations. Yeah, but right. I, in the middle of the night, so I didn't want to, like, creep up on a house and then get shot or something. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to check something out. So I looked them up, and I was pretty close to Jesse's apartment, Jesse Pinkman's apartment where the, where the woman dies. You know, she ODs. Yeah. Walter just kind of lets her die there. So I shit you not, I had the local radio station on. I'm just kept chilling the tunes, not very paying attention. I roll up to that to Jesse's apartment. It looks just like it did. Like the, nothing's changed. Like they did no no art direction. It looked exactly the same. And right when I fucking rolled up, Jesse's girl started playing Rick Springfield. Jesse's Whoa. girl, and I was I was like, holy shit! And I and I blasted it. This is like midnight. I blasted it. <laughs> I, I recorded it on my phone. I'm like, this is un incredible. Like I I'm playing this song. I'm, Panning over to the house, and I'm like, "Oh my holy shit!" So it's like a very similar vibe, man. This is some this that this is ghost intervention. I'm I'm certain of it because listen, totally. in the case of my story, the yeah. the likeliness that a Bruce Springsteen song would right. be playing in the Greater New Jersey area right. isn't outlandish, it, right. coincidental for certain. But like you you figure the the boss is from Jersey. You figure he must be a yeah. mainstay on their radio yeah. stations. Right, but right. for you to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico, yes, yes. And, and drive in front of a filming location of a fictional yeah. character, right? Whom, like, it was a very popular show, but it wasn't yeah. like I mean, I'm sure if you ask the average person, yeah, who Jesse Pinker Pinkman was, I, I don't yeah. know that it would be as widespread. Right, right. But for for you to roll up and for Jesse's girl to happen in a right. location where yeah. the character's girlfriend, Kristen Ritter's char character, yeah. ODs, spoilers, right. 
Yeah. Like, like what? That, that's ghost intervention. I'm I'm certain of that. I'm certain of it. I, I had a one similar thing happen to me too. I swear to God, I went to uh, Ronnie James Dio's uh, gravesite in Forest Lawn in L.A. Mm-hmm. And it was on a quiet Sunday morning. And when I rolled up, my phone, I have, I, I'm a huge Oingo Boingo Danny Elfman fan. I have those in my phone. I have all the music in my phone, but I, my phone was on my seat. I swear to God. And when I rolled up to the cemetery, Dead Man's Party started playing on my fucking phone. And I hadn't touched my phone. It was laying wow. beside me. I swear to God. So, yeah. You know? So what is your feeling about Ghost? This is this being our Halloween episode. And by the way, I guess we, before we start, because yeah. I just saw you grab it, and I've been thinking about grabbing it. We have That's a tradition. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, so so I, I think we mentioned this the last time you're on the podcast, but you do a yeah. hundred day, yeah, um, uh, sort of a Lent esque cleanse, yeah, abstinence of uh, alcohol. Yeah, right for a hundred days, starting sometime around in July. Yeah. Uh, right after your birthday ish, right? Yeah, right. It's either before or after, depending on the full moon, because it's a you know the Buddhists deal with the, the the full moon calendar basically. Right. So you so like somewhere either right before, or right after your birthday, or somewhere around your birthday. Usually right after, because we get that one last hurrah yeah. in. Then right. you get your hundred days, and yeah. then it, it, it almost always uh, lifts. The embargo yeah. lifts yeah. Um, right before Halloween. Almost now, yeah. we're both fans of pumpkin spice everything. Fucking a. You have a pumpkin spice jersey on, practically. I do. I mean, I would eat pumpkin spice pussy if it existed. I'm sure if you. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of people drink pumpkin spice stuff. I'm sure it's out there. So, <laughs> so we have a tradition that we we crack open a pumpkin or Halloween flavored beer. We do when we do our Halloween special. So I have um, from Elysian. They had uh-huh. a they had a they had a pack of uh, like a twelve pack, like sort of mixed of different sort of pumpkin. Yeah. Halloween flavored beer. So this one is Elysium's Dark at the Moon. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> and, and it's a pumpkin stout. Oh yeah, those are good, man. So I feel like that will be pretty delicious. I'm gonna crack. It's got a. It's like got some sort of beastie on uh, on the cover. You know, he's howling at the moon. Cool. Yeah, he's cool. I like him. Yeah. Dark moon. Okay, and I I have a. You know, the first thing I did when I landed in New Jersey because. I again, I haven't been back in the states for uh, over two years, and I and I don't think I've been in Halloween for for three years actually in the states. So I was without pumpkin spice for quite a long time. So I've been jonesing. <laughs> well, the first liquor store I found in Asbury Park, I rolled up. I bought their last two six packs of it's it's a local brew. It's called River Horse Hippo Lantern because I guess River Horse <laughs> is like a nickname for a hippopotamus. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, River Horse Hip Hippo Lantern Pumpkin, all brewed with pumpkin and spices, and then so you see there it has like the hippo face, and then it also has a little jack o' lantern guy. Yeah, the hippo looks kind of ghostly in himself, right? He's all white. Yeah, he's kind of got like a an angry face, like a ghost hippo. Yeah, it's a ghost hippo. God, imagine a ghost hippo running you down, and then it like passes through you. Oh shit, man! That'd be uh, why was that not a scene in some one of those the <laughs> thousand Ghostbuster movies out there? Yeah, I know, totally. Oh yeah, so here we go. Let's All right, uh, cheers, mate. Cheers. Tink. Tink. <laughs> uh, nothing like a little hair of the dog. No, that's fucking good. That's fucking So good. back to ghost. That is yeah, delicious. Of course. That ooh, that's stout. Woo. As Rick Fair yeah. would say, woo. Mine would say um, is eight point one percent alcohol, so uh, this episode's gonna get interesting then. <laughs> um 
so you live in Thailand. You base out of Thailand. You're from the states, but you base out of Thailand. And actually, you're you're based from the uh, the south. Yeah. And so I, I would imagine that for you, yeah. both coming from uh, Georgia and yeah. then moving to well, actually moving to San Francisco, then Los Angeles, and then Thailand, yeah. you've probably come across quite a bit of ghost stories in your time. Oh. Because I would, I would have to assume oh. that Georgia, you know, growing up in rural Georgia, yeah, those stories must be a plenty. And then certainly, I know you've told me that the Thai culture, yeah, is very superstitious. My God, incredibly so. It's it's like part of their culture to the point where uh, it's it's not. It's it's not considered fiction. Let's put it that way. In Thailand, ghosts are a reality of life. Everyone believes in them, and it, it, it's 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 a little insane. But uh, mm-hmm. in Georgia, where I grew up, you know, I grew up in uh, Fort Oglethorpe, which is by the Chickamauga National Park. Which is anybody that knows the Civil War history, there was a thing called the Chickamauga Chattanooga um, War, one of the bloodiest battles of the Civil War. And so we have these huge national parks with cannons and horses and monuments where. Tens of thousands of people died or got injured. They used to have field hospitals. Like if they got shot, they would basically in the arm, for example, they would cut off their arm because they didn't have the technology to do surgery. They would just cut off their arm. So there's actual pictures of like these log cabins with stacks of limbs outside where people just getting amputations. And, you know, they like tie just like you see in the old movies where they like tie their mouth shut and and, uh, give them a shot of whiskey, tie their mouth shut and then chop off their arm. It's kind of like that. Um, Yeah. So there's like, there, you know, all these real events happen there. Th- th- thousands of people died on both sides, Confederate and Union. Um, so, of course, there's tons of ghost stories. Even friends of mine said have said it's really eerie because it's it's a two lane road because it's a national park, but it goes right through. Like if you want to get from uh, the northern part of Georgia, where I'm from, to the southern part of, to, of Georgia, like going towards Rome, Georgia, you have to go through there. There's no other way. Really. So it turns into a two lane like. Uh, 45 mile per hour because it's a national park. Right. So, and on both sides are fields and field acres and acres and acres of battlefield with cannons and towers and monuments where all these people died. And so I went to school on the other side, on the south side. So if we had a late night at school, you know, for whatever reason, if there was band practice or you're waiting, my sister was older. So I was always waiting for my sister to finish and she would drive us back. You would have to drive back in the dark. And sometimes if there was an event, a football game, it might be like, the wee hours of the morning when the fog's coming in and stuff. And almost everybody growing up there has stories of seeing like battalions of ghosts marching across the the roads and in the fields. And there's this old character there called old green eyes that allegedly haunts the area. He's like kind of like the New Jersey devil type character. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's like these, these monuments are there. Like there's log cabins there in the middle of nowhere and you can't touch them because they're federally, federally protected. Right. So right. they're, they're still standing from the civil war. Um, but you know, kids drink and go have sex and go take some shrooms and run out there, you know, wee hours in the morning. So that, so all these kind of crazy ghost stories, uh, revolve around the civil war there, which is pretty cool. Um, it, it's, it's wild because you, you wrote a book, as you mentioned earlier, called The Unhallowed Horseman, mm-hmm. and uh, based on the, the Headless Horseman, Sleepy Hollow, Washington Irving. And yeah. I wonder – I was, I was giving this thought, like, I, again, having, having been raised in the South, having been raised in Texas, yeah. it seems like Southern culture has sort of um, maintained an, an affinity or at least a connection yeah. to sort of soldiers on horseback Yeah, in, in a way that you just don't really see – 
yeah. up north. Like I just yeah. say, it's like a part of their history yeah. that's there, but you just you don't, don't see it on the same level. Whereas in the south, yeah. it's very common to see usually Confederate generals, what have you. Yeah. But um, these soldiers on on horseback and these big statues of them, yeah. Um, even oh, even even in my high school, we were the Mustangs, and we had a giant horse like yeah. statue. Like as soon as you walked in, like rearing, yeah. you know. For some reason, whoever made this sculpture decided to be anatomically correct yeah. with the horse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> never really understood that I, one. I think it's an inside joke because it's funny. My elementary school in Georgia was called the Cougars. There's <laughs> the Cloud Springs Cougars, and then the high school I went to was called the Gordon Lee Trojans. So of course it was supposed to be like a Trojan on a horse, but we all took it like the condom because we're right, you know. So, but yeah, that's hilarious. I think it's like an inside joke where they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna name it this." It must be right. They know they know that the kids are too way too immature to do anything but make jokes about it. It probably entertains the faculty. But <laughs> but, I, but I was curious if if growing up in that kind of culture, yeah, and. And a culture that, you know, again, to your point, you're, you're right down the road from a historical battle site. There, there's yeah. ghost sightings. Yeah. Um, that part of the country does get an eerie fog in the evening pretty regularly. Yeah. Does, yeah. Did, did those experiences sort of uh, enamor you with Washington Irving um, and, and the Sleepy Hollow story in general? Yeah. Yeah, totally did. I mean, my whole – my whole childhood from childhood through adolescence has been in crazy, spooky places like that. So, like, I grew up there. My, the house I grew up in in Fort Oldthorpe, Georgia, was – all of it was built on the – used to be the Cherokee Nation, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's all Native American. And when we used to cut the grass, we would find arrowheads in our in our grass. Like, it was a, a commonly known thing that this yeah. was all Cherokee before they got pushed out with the Trail of Tears. And they eventually moved – the capital of the Cherokee Nation, a little bit further south. But it was all Cherokee Indians or Native Americans. Um, so, so you know, that folklore was there. And then, like, in, in the 80s when I grew up, you know, movies like Poltergeist were popular. But we had always been, in our neighborhoods, you know, the rumors were that all of it was built on uh, Native American Indian uh, right. burial grounds anyways, and that there were always ghosts of these uh, warriors and whatever, you know, type of people that – you know, didn't want you on their land to begin with. So there was always this like sort of, uh, you know, mood hanging over the entire realm of that part of the nation. And then, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, the sleepy hollow thing. I just remember that, you know, growing up, that was the, that was this one thing seasonal that always kept coming. Like you could always count on the sleepy hollow, the headless horseman story coming back, whether it be the Disney early Disney version or the mid Disney version or whatever. Um, and as I got older, so then when I went to school, I went to high school seminary and then college seminary in these 100-year-old buildings, 200-year-old buildings up in in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And those places look like like people would imagine Hogwarts look. They were these right. big stone castle facades and, you know, six-story tall um, granite buildings, you know, ornate, crazy looking. They, 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 they just looked like something out of a horror movie, like The Omen or something. And – you know, and I was going through adolescence at that time. So that was like age, you know, 13 through 17, 18. Um, and we we're living in what are essentially, you know, American castles. <laughs> you know, there would be like statues of holy figures or suits of armor or whatever. So that whole, my whole, you know, sort of, uh, you know, growing up when my, when my brain is forming, my creative is forming was all in really creepy places like that. So I think all of that had to play in sort of me being into horror 
definitely the Sleepy Hollow thing. Um, all of it sort of led to that, you know, my movie, The Incantation, it all kind of stems from the same uh, just weird adolescence of always being surrounded by these ghostly places. Like, I don't, I don't remember a time when I didn't live in a ghostly atmosphere. And then I moved to Thailand, which was the extreme on the other end, like extremely ghost, ghost believing society. So, so being immersed in all these different cultures, have you, what is your experience, I suppose, with the supernatural? Like, have you had encounters with ghosts or, or things unexplainable? Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of unexplainable things, especially when I was young, like from, from the A, you know, probably, you know, little to like, I don't know, 15, I used to have a lot of, I used to see a lot of things and experience a lot of things. And I could, I could never attribute it to anything other than maybe an overactive imagination or the fact that my brother did a lot of drugs and perhaps he was giving me some on the side. I don't know. I I, I can never prove that or disprove that. But, um, uh, yeah. So, so I don't know who knows you know, I was raised like my mom was a really staunch conservative Catholic. Like she was the type, my brother was like hell bent for leather. (laughs) He loved kissed and Judas priest and all those things. And then my mother was like an extreme, you know, conservative Catholic. So she was like satanic panic type person and they lived in the same household and I was stuck in the middle. You know, I was like, Oh, that's fucking cool with my brother stuff. Like, yeah, I want rock and roll and hot, hot women and you know, all that stuff. And then, but my mom was like my, my authority figure. So I was like, well, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with Jesus either. Kind of the Jiminy Cricket of sorts. (laughs) Yeah. The Jiminy Crickets. Exactly. (laughs) She was the Jiminy Cricket. So, but then, so then I went to the seminary where, you know, I was studying to be a priest. So it was all extreme on the, on the holy side, but it was like, that's the place where there was the most creepy, spooky, supernatural factor of all. Um, so, so I don't know. I've seen a lot of things that I can't explain. Um, but, uh, who knows? I mean, I, I guess my beliefs, I, I believe in, there's a lot of stuff I, I believe in, you know, Einstein said this thing when, when people asked him, like, does he believe in God or supernatural or what have you? And he said something to the effect, I'm just paraphrasing that when we, when we see the supernatural other or, or other dimensions or, or call it religion, call it whatever, it's like a toddler going into a library for, mm. for a first time. Like they know something's out there. They know something they don't comprehend. There's a bigger picture of things and there's something organized that you can't quite place your finger on, but they don't understand it. If a toddler walks into a library and sees 3,000 books, they're like, well, something's going on here, but you know, I, I can't figure it out. It's above my pay grade, you know, kind of thing. And that's kind of the way I feel about yeah. natural. You know, I, there's something to me anyways, like in my 50 years of, of life on this earth, there's something to be said about the imprint of the past. Like I definitely think you, when you, when you go to old houses or old like seminaries or old cemeteries or old uh, abandoned mansions or uh, insane asylums, quote unquote, there's, you know, people see like the same ghost or, or people in period dress. You see that all the time or someone takes a picture and there's like a person in wearing period dress for the exact period of that place and to me, if you get into the science of like, you know, like the possibility of the multiverse or uh, the Buddhist philosophy that time is like cyclical and all this stuff has already happened, you know, that's like, that's like technology has come went like you went from the stone age all the way to space travel, like several thousand times in, in sort of the Buddhist belief. So we're just like kind of on repeat, 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 repeat until you uh, can 
enlighten yourself and get out of the human suffering thing. So that's kind of like the Buddhist thing. But either way, no matter what you call it, if you believe in science and uh, multiverse or you believe in religion and God or whatever, there's definitely something out there. And, and, and I can't deny that. Like there's something out there we don't understand. There's something uh, above our physical realm perception going on. I definitely believe in that. I just don't know what I would call it. I don't know if it's ghost. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, like a, a film imprint, you know, like is it right. the film negative left behind from a past life, some kind of thing like that? I don't know. I don't know the answer. But well, it's, it's it's interesting, right? Because people, there's there are sort of for some reason become this division between people who believe in, um, let's just call it spirituality of some sort, of any sort, hmm. and people who quote unquote believe in science. Isn't there? But there's no way to quote unquote believe in science. Science is a technique. Right. It's not a category. It's not a genre. Yeah. It's a technique. It's like saying, I believe in changing a tire. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you don't have to believe in it. It can be done. Right. The scientific science is just a, a, a offshoot of the scientific method. It's a, it's yeah. a mode by which one uncovers truths yeah. or reaffirms hypotheses. Right. And I always had a hard time, even when I, I sort of left the Catholic church and went on my own sort of journey. I always had a hard time relating to staunch atheists because this idea Mm. that we just have this like finite or uh, this, this sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for, the sort of objective truth that we've uncovered when the science recognizes that there's 90% of the universe we can't perceive, but we know exists 90%. We can't perceive, but we know exist. They say, I I don't I don't know. This is hundred percent accurate. So please feel free to correct me if I'm saying this incorrectly, but we only use like 10% of our brain or something to that effect. Like the, our brain's capacity, we're only barely just like, just, just the tip, you know, just getting to see how it works. Um, <laughs> then there's the idea of of you said like time, like the perception of time. And again, this is straight from quantum physics, where yeah. there's this i there's a, there are very many ideas out there that time doesn't exist like we perceive it. Yeah. And for us filmmakers, the easiest way to look at it is is a film reel. Right. Yeah. We a film reel is a collection of yeah. photographs. Yeah. That when played and processed through a particular technique. Yeah. Presents the illusion of movement, right? When, when there's not there, yeah. And you could you could cut a, a frame out and disjoint yeah. it with yeah. a couple of, with scissors right. in the olden days. I guess you'd have to yeah. use a digital blade now. Yeah. Um, so right. I've come. I, I used to think of ghosts like 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 you said, like film transfer. Like I I I grew up uh, just a bit old, younger than you. Yeah. Um, in the age where. Uh, we everything was recorded on video cassette. Yeah, you know, and you, you know, if if you were lucky, mom would buy you like a five pack of blank VHS tapes, <laughs> yeah. and then you know you could record your favorite episode of Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman with your <laughs> homie Dean Cain. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could record music videos, whatever, right? But yeah. at some point. We only had those five, and so at the, you had to make judgment calls, right. and you had to ask yourself: Was it worth those five episodes of Superman when yeah. you could record Super Bowl Thirty with the Dallas yeah. Cowboys last time? Dallas Cowboys were on the Super Bowl, etc. You <laughs> yeah. do this process right. enough times, yeah, 
And there's an effect, which I call the bleed, where images that you've recorded over will sometimes appear in like a very yeah. ghostly manner. Exactly. Yeah. On the new image you've recorded, right? Because at a certain point, you're just, you've, you've stacked these images on top of each other and they just bleed into one another. And oh. I, for the longest time, and maybe to some degree still, yeah, kind of think it's ghost as that, but yeah. I've broadened it. So yeah. I believe in a multiverse. Right. I believe that everything that can and will and does and could ever happen yeah. has yeah. in infinite. Yeah. Every variation of every decision, of every choice, of every haircut, dating option, meal yeah. chosen, yeah. drink chosen, every single version right. amongst every single person, yeah. those those moments have all occurred. This right. giant timey wibbly wibbly wobbly ball of film reel with yeah. every possible choice that could have occurred yeah and right. it's all exists right and what we perceive as time is us is our brain just acting like a projector yeah now the question then becomes if you've got this infinite amount of f- film images yeah are you like i like at what point are 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 you choosing from this? It's almost like a, like a, those choose your own adventures, right? Yeah. Like the possibilities are already written. You just have to sort of choose them. That's yeah. where I kind of still hold on to, to free will to some degree. Like it's all happened, but, but you're sort of building your film. It's almost yeah. like if I said, Hey Jude, here's a bunch of film reel, cut a movie. Yeah. And like, well, I could cut the movie like this or I could cut the movie like that. And, and yeah. that's your timeline in your mind. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think it's possible because there's this infinite amount of, imagery that you could potentially uh, draw or have some bleed from an older period in yeah. this particular timeline that you're building yeah. in your own mind and your own perception. Yeah. Oh, well, man, I, man, there's so, so much to unpack there, but like, for example, you know, like, like Thais and many Asian countries, they believe in, in reincarnation and past lives and all that stuff. And for me, like, I swear to you, I must have existed in like Victorian England because I write words with like ease and stuff on them. Mm-hmm. And I, look, I use a very archaic vocabulary and I'll look it up. Like I'll know this word. I don't know how I know this word. I, I just figured I was taught it in high school or college or whatever. And I'll use it in my writing and then I'll look it up online and it'll say like archaic, uh, not used since the 1800s or something. And I'll be like, that's weird, you know? So that's, so that's a whole weird thing. And that's like my favorite time period. And, and like, I love old London and I love, sort of Jack the Ripper era and, and, and I love Victorian and New England and all that stuff. So I don't know. There's something to be said about that. That's crazy. And then, yeah, the multiverse is interesting because sometimes I think, sometimes I think people get these urges like to me, okay. Like sometimes they say, if you're on a skyscraper, you might have the urge to jump off the edge. Right. right. I, think, I think what that is, is it's you saying to yourself, okay, am I in a matrix essentially? And can I choose it? And what's going to happen? Like if I jump off this building, I don't think you're trying to kill yourself. You don't want to end your life, but, but it's just your, you trying to say, do I have the control? Can I jump off this building? And will I respond? Like, it's a curious thing. Like, like what happens, what happens if I walk outside the door and I decide to take a shovel and smack somebody upside the head? Like, what are the consequences of that or whatever, or whatever action I do? Um, it is like choose your own adventure. And I think we do that every day. And I think, I think um, some of the scary things is we could picture, we could picture choices we make that could, 
spiral very quickly. Like if you did, like what if what if you did pick up, pick up a gun and you walked into a, a, a store and you shot somebody? Or just, to see, just to watch them die. Just to watch them die. Or or uh, or what if you did try to kill yourself? Or what if uh, you know? There's so many. There's a million. It's like that thing when sometimes when you're driving down the road going 100 miles an hour, and you're like, what if I pulled this wheel to the right and flip this car? You know, like those right. thoughts cross people's mind, even though they would never act on them. But I don't think it's, again, I don't think it's like this serial killer urge we have in ourselves. I think it's just the curiosity of like, um, of the, of sort of that whole multiverse thing. Like, am I in control of this? Am I in the matrix? Like what happens when I get unplugged? Like, I think we've all had those sort of fantasies about, um, you know, especially after the matrix came on, it came out and it sort of, <laughs> it showed a, a plus of possibility that we all never, we always thought about, but never could imagine as elegantly as that. We're like, yeah, what if we are plugged in the matrix? That's really cool. Um, well, and, and especially when you consider that the matrix was based on Pluto's um, allegory of the cave. So wow. this goes back to ancient Greece, you know, I think there's also something innately human about that, that those thought processes. I think that one of the things that makes human species unique is that it? It's the only species that I am aware of that, on a regular basis, a consistent basis, mm-hmm. bucks its naturally programmed um, instincts. Mm-hmm. Like we right. as humanity are, are just seem not to be content with our lot in life. Mm-hmm. It is on in the best of ways what mm-hmm. what spurs innovation. Right? We decide that we don't want to be restricted to running. 15 miles an hour to 10 miles an hour. That is too slow for us. Right. So we will build a car uh, yeah. or we'll ride a horse. Right. Right. We're not content to have a, a bone structure that is too dense mm-hmm. uh, or far denser than, than air. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lack wing spans that could glide along air currents. And so we build airplanes. Yeah, right. Um, we're not bound even by this, this earth that we live in this, 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 you know, cosmic force of gravity. And so boom, we go fly into the skies. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. So I do think that that's part of it. I think there's, there's just something innately uh, embedded in our psyches that we think to ourselves, we have a innate survival mechanism that says, I won't turn the wheel and fly off the bridge. Right. But there's this other part of me that just can't help. Yeah, can't help but wonder: Could I break that rule? Yeah, could I? Could I? Could I leap over that? Yeah, sh- that shackle, right? Or how? Yeah. Like how bound right. by natural law am I? Yeah, and I think we've proven that we are really, uh, for better or for worse, whether it's a, a blessing or some sort of cosmic misstep in our evolution, yeah. seem to be perfectly capable of denying the yeah. very things that are that we're built for and, and even things that, that, that benefit us as a society and as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll give you some examples. Like, like, um, you know, I know you have a fear of heights. I have Mm -hmm. a, I have a healthy fear of heights as well. And I recently went to Dubai, as I said, I I have to, I have to, I have to clarify. I don't have a fear of heights. I have a fear of falling from high heights. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very different thing. Like I just respect the fuck out of gravity is the way I look at it. (laughs) So I went to Dubai where the Burj Khalifa is the tallest uh, building in the world. Um, And, you know, I, 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 with, with our mutual friend, Dan, we had been, we had been shot in Paris. So I, I went up in uh, the Eiffel tower up to just the sort of the base level, which is still super high. Um, mm-hmm. 
but you're walking outside on this iron frame. So you feel the wind and like, like it's, it's very different from being in a structure, you know, like, you know, you're going up this high step by step by step. Cause if you're, if you're taking the stairs up, um, cause you're in the elements, like you look down and there's the pavement. So, so when I got to that base level, Dan was like, you want to go up to the top of the, uh, of the, um, Eiffel tower. And I was like, no, fuck no. I, I, I can't handle that. I'm not going to do it. You know, I, I'm, I know my limits. So, so then I took my wife to Burj Khalifa and I was like, this is once, I don't know if I'll ever go back to Dubai ever. So I was mm-hmm. like, we got to go, we got to go to the top. So when you're in the elevator in the Burj Khalifa, they have, it's really crazy. They have this projection where they're projecting that the elevator all goes dark. It's the fastest elevator in the world. The floors go by like this, literally like this, boom, bang, bang, bang. And they have a projection of pure black night sky, and they're showing you how tall you go up. So they're showing its projected buildings. So there goes the Eiffel Tower. There goes whatever, you know, uh, World Trade Center. There goes this. There goes that. There goes this. And, and it's in real time. It's it's based on the actual feet of, the, uh, of those structures. So you have this sensation that you're floating upward in air, and you're actually higher than those structures are so it's just it's just this crazy thing and then you get to the top um and you look down and it's so you're up so high that you have this sensation that you're falling forward even though you're not you're sta- you're standing on iron and concrete um and you know everything's tiny like cars look like ants people look like ants and all that even buildings look like little legos um but i it was the same thing where like i i have i have that fear and uh I just kind of ate the frog sort of thing. And I said, you know what? Like if, if the powers that be want me to die right now, then it's going to happen no matter what. So I just got to do it. I just got to fucking mm-hmm. do it. And that was me breaking that particular shackle. Like, even though I was scared as hell, I was like, I just got to do it. And I did it. And, and it was awesome. They also have this thing, which is interesting. It's called the Dubai frame. I don't, I don't remember if it's 40 stories or 60 stories, but it's, it's really high. And it has one of those glass floors, right? So you walk over the glass and you can see down to where the – Oh, I hate that idea. Yeah. Everything about that. Yeah. So that was even harder. So you're, you're basically – your perception of your mind is that you're walking – it's your floating on air 60 stories above the ground. So there's no matter what, even though you know this is structurally engineered, even though it's been tested, even though the greatest engineers in the world built this thing, like all this science is behind it, your mind cannot turn off the fact that you're floating above the ground 60 stories up, you know? So like I was walking across it and my my knees were wobbling because like I didn't have control over that because my mind was telling me you're going to fall to your death, right? But yeah. again, I just kind of... I just outsiked my psyche and I was like, I'm just going to fucking do it. And I walked across the whole length of that uh, frame, which is, it's far, you know, it's probably, I don't know how it's very far though. So, and I did it, but uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. That's somehow connected with, with you breaking that shackle, proving to yourself that you're in control of those situations, you know, I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, think about all the different ways that we put ourselves at harm just in everyday stuff, right? Not even extreme examples like that. Like getting in a steel contraption and mm-hmm. and and moving at a speed that in many regards is six to seven, eight, maybe some people push nine, ten times faster than you could on, on average move. Right. Right? Yeah. Around other people who are in similar 
steel contraptions also moving somewhere between six yeah. to nine, ten times their normal speed. Right. And that's just a that's just a way of life. Um, life, yeah. Every 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 building like to me. Falling to my death might be the most frightening way to die possible. I think dying in a fire mm. would probably be the worst, right? Just from a from a pain perspective. Yeah. The idea of falling to your death and like at some point they always say, "Oh, well, you'll probably have a heart attack before yeah. you reach your ground." First off, that don't sound fun either. <laughs> exactly. You're like, oh, I'm fucking having a heart attack. I got ten stories to go. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm gonna break every instantly like like liquefy every bone in my body when I hit. Right. How is that supposed to make me feel better? You know? Right. Um, or you, know, you go into shock. You don't know what shock is when you're yeah. falling from a boat. I'm pretty sure no one has told that tale. Yeah. I always go back to, uh, it's, it's funny that we're wearing jerseys, yeah. you know, and, and you're in New Jersey. Yeah. We're in a jersey, hockey jersey. Because yeah. uh, cool. the, the famous filmmaker from New Jersey, uh, Kevin Smith, oh, yeah, was telling a story about when his father passed away of a heart attack. Yeah. And he wasn't there for it, but his brother was there with him. And, yeah. you know, you always have this idea that when you die, it's going to be peacefully. Right. And he was like, his, his brother told him that his dad died screaming. Oh, yeah. I've heard. He was in extreme pain and he died screaming. Oh, my God. It's horrible. You know, and, and Kevin Smith's mother had a heart attack and, and saw saw God. And then, you know, she's still around. And, yeah. and Kevin Smith had a heart attack. Oh, yeah, he did. That's right. You know, and and so, like, these, these ideas of death. And them being, and them being like, I, I try not to have an um, an unhealthy fear of death, yeah. because to your point, if it's your time, it's your time. There's, there's not much you're going to do about yeah. it, regardless. Yeah. But I do think that sometimes we pacify ourselves into thinking that death is going to be this super like beautiful, like the Notebook. We're going to just hold yeah. our hands and seamlessly, you know, right. fade into the next chapter of life. And for me, when you were talking about, um, you know, like past lives and things of that nature. I, I kind of look at it like this. Mm-hmm. I imagine that it, for me, there's one source of all creation. Mm-hmm. Call it God, call it the force, call it whatever you want. Spaghetti monster. I don't care. There's yeah. one source of, of intelligent energy. Right. That is beyond our ability to perceive much like 90% of the universe is impossible for us to perceive. Yeah. It is, it is the catalyst for the big bang It is the nexus of all that exists. <laughs> Yeah. Um, when people ask me what God is, I simply say life. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I believe that each of us is a splinter of that source. Like, like it's a, it's, a, it's just like a, a, um, a sperm has to, has to fertilize an egg, mm-hmm. right? And then pops a new human. So yeah. does this energy, the spirit, sort of embed and create life. Yeah. And I think when we die, the way I, I equate it is, um. Think of like an aluminum can company, mm-hmm. right? They got a big batch of aluminum, right? And they melt it, right? It's boiling. It's just a big pot of it, and yeah. then they pour it. And each one, because it's an individual can, you get your Coke, your Dr Pepper, your Sprite, your Squirt, whatever, yeah. and uh, Mountain Dew Code Red, and and <laughs> it's and it's a, it's it's a it's a unique can, yeah. It's its own unique thing, yeah. And then it serves its purpose. It's drank. It's discarded. It goes bad. Whatever it may be, gets recycled, yeah. Ends up, you know, now you have this these huge vaults of of discarded aluminum cans. They go back to the aluminum can company, yeah. where they're melted down, yeah. and they become one batch of boiling aluminum yeah. metal, liquid metal, right? Yeah. And then the cycle repeats, and it's poured into cans. Now, 
the the Mountain Dew Code Red isn't just a new Mountain Dew Code Red, nor is that can entirely a Dr. Pepper. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But a part of it is right, yeah. But a part of it is also a Coke, a Sprite, a yeah. Mr. Pib, right. you know. Yeah, yeah. And so that's 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 the the, the very um, yeah, you know, layman's explanation for the sort of cycle that is life. Yeah. And and I think about that all because there is certain human humankind is so weird. Mm-hmm. That we know what our fears are, yeah, and yet we have to challenge them. Yeah, we do. And you would think, especially for those who believe that there is no aluminum can company in the sky, yeah. that when we're dead, we're just done and gone, right? right. You would certainly think that the the, the desire to yeah. self preserve would be so much stronger than it is, right? Because there's but we but. Yeah, at every turn we buck that. We at every turn we take a new chance. Hell, we're drinking beer. This yeah. shit, you drink enough of it will kill you. We yeah, know yeah. that. Exactly. We know it. Yeah. You it's know? On the label most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yet we do it anyway. And so that I wonder I wonder and I and I I'll pitch this to you. Yeah. Do you think that part of that human instinct to challenge death mm-hmm. and fears? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is born out of some sort of innate knowledge of what comes after? Hmm. I think, uh, that's a really good question. I think, I think it's more, if I'm to lean on my wife's Buddhism a little more, I thought you were going in a totally different direction for a second. (laughs) I think, I think it's, uh, it's the ego, which is the hardest thing to conquer in life. Mm. So I think it's I think it's us exerting ourselves. I think I think that we I think all the things you said is true are true, and I, I think I think we probably know that somewhere in our core that we're all just part of the the cosmic ethos, and that you know like like matter just matter never dies; it just disperses and, and realigns. Like that's that's a scientific fact. You can't kill matter; it just right. goes somewhere else and forms something else. Right? So. Um, but I think the ego in us, uh, the I in us is trying to, um, you know, just be authoritative in all things we do. It's, a, it's the same reason a lot of people have a fear of flying. They don't have a fear of flying, of falling out of the sky. They have a fear of not being in tr- control of that airplane. And they, yeah. feel, they feel like when they're driving a car, they're in control, even though there's a thousand elements that say you're not. It's the feeling of being in control, being the person behind the wheel. Whereas in a plane, you're definitely just strapped in seat uh, 47C and whatever happens, happens. And that's hard for people to accept. And that's the fear. The fear mm-hmm. is if something goes wrong, there's nothing they can do about it. And they just go to their flaming death, you know? So that's, again, I think, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's us exerting uh, uh, our, 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 our will to dominate over, over everything and, and be able to choose our own adventure. But but that still doesn't negate the fact that there's something bigger out there. I, I was an atheist for like maybe two years out of college after, you know, I became a self thinker and I was like, yeah, fuck religion. There's no God. Like we're all here. And then the older I got, it just didn't make sense at all. It, it didn't make any sense at all. So I was like, no, there's, there's definitely something out there. You don't have to call it God or religion, but there's something out there bigger than us. That's to me, that's undeniable. And the older I get, the more I I feel that's true. Like experience teaches me so. <laughs> so yeah, 
when I did go through a phase, it's like it's like some people being, you know, uh, a lesbian in college, for example, you know, but not really being one, just kind of experimenting. That's I went through that phase with uh, with atheism for a couple of years. Like, yeah, fuck, fuck that. There is no, especially coming out of the seminary. So I was like, you know, bucking the authorities at that point, completely going the opposite. Well, I, I do think that that's the catalyst point, right? That's like that's the point where in most people's lives that sort of right out of high school, we leave home for the first time, hopefully. Yeah. Um, although I think that's increasingly more rare, but for a lot of people, they leave home for the first time and yeah. they start to formulate their own ideas and their own concepts and yeah. find their own way to justify this. Yeah. I, I think there's so many th- – because we live in a society that doesn't really sp- – you know, promote deeper thinking or conversation. A lot of these things are just sort of left unsaid. And it's interesting that you brought up sexuality and the experimentation of sexuality that often occurs when you're in early adolescence, as you're trying to figure out who and what you are. Yeah. I think that um, our inability to accurately discuss death and fears and, and uh, the the quote unquote afterlife leads people to have to experience it in some way on their own, and maybe that maybe yeah. that's at the core of the challenging of death, right? Like we don't understand it, so we're gonna kind of gonna push the limits. We're gonna yeah. you know go on. I've always said this before, like roller coasters exist yeah. to stim- simulate yeah. um, a death a death experience in a controlled manner, which goes back to what you're saying about the real fear is the lack of control, right? Yes, exactly. You could get killed on a roller coaster. It does happen, but most people don't expect that. Yeah, exactly. Most people expect when at the end of the roller coaster, they're going to be just hunky dory and fine. Um, People who, who climb mountains, people who skydive, people who, you know, whatever, like all these challenging of deaths feels like in some regard, a way of sort of experimenting, finding your own relationship with it, finding your own limits, Yeah, you know, perhaps where you feel comfortable, where you know, like, okay, now I know that my life is finite in this moment. Like we may, you may be told that, but there comes a point when you really experience that and you realize that this, okay, this thing is, I got, I got at least at least as far as if you, if you prescribed my idea um, as, as I am me, the I, I am only going to experience this in this form once. It's not so dissimilar to Dr. Who. If you think about it, yeah, the doctor is the same character, but he regenerates or she regenerates and into a new version of themselves. And there's a part of the old version there. Yeah. And it's still the same person, yeah, but not exactly, precisely. It's crazy. It's cool. It's awesome. It's something you, cool to think about. Yeah. Also, especially on Halloween, right? Why not? Um, I, do, do you? I I also think that like this is a, a good sort of motivator and and uh, one of the main reasons why horror movies are so popular because you get that simulated life and death scenarios, right? No one really thinks Freddy is going to like haunt you in your dreams or, or Jason Voorhees is going to, you know, hack you to bits if you get laid. But for 90 minutes, yeah, we can kind of be immersed in that world. And we, again, we can, we can test those boundaries of our fears of life, death, and, and what happens when you're in an uncontrollable situation. Yeah. And, and, and that goes back to my, my love of the horseman because when I was young, 
the, the, the headless horseman. I always say the unhallowed horseman because that's my <laughs> reiteration of it. But the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow um, is that that same thing as a kid. It was the it was like the villain that I could always feel safe with, but get scared of, you know, because it's like in the original in the sketchbook, uh, Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's very ambiguous what happened to Ichabod Crane. Like, did he really get chased off? Did he die? In fact, was it just a big practical joke? Is the whole it, the whole thing's mostly lighthearted till the mm-hmm. end? It's kind of left ubiquitous. And, and, you know, they did that in the Disney thing. I, actually, every reiteration, except for the Tim Burton one, where, the, you know, he, of course, took it to the extreme of, of it being a maniacal killer. But, um, but, the, but at, even as a, as a young kid, so many people related to that because it was like, it was like, it was like that roller coaster thing. Like, this is, this is to the extent, even as an as a elementary, they used to roll that movie out in elementary school and play it to yeah. Halloween, right? Because it was like, it was a safe scare. Like you knew that probably no one was really going to die, but it was still cool. It was fun. It's the reason like we walk through cemeteries at midnight or, you know, walk down into a morgue and kind of scare ourselves or tour abandoned buildings or whatever. It's like that scare where, you know, you feel like nothing's really going to happen. There's no real danger, but, but, but you can trick yourself into thinking that, there might be, you might be on the edge, like, you know, and it's that cool, that's a cool sensation. And Halloween is the perfect time to like play that up. It's like the one time a year where we forget everything else, especially in American culture, but increasingly more around the world, even Thailand's getting into it now. Um, but like uh, where we can say, this is a cool time where, where I can embrace, I can look at death as something kind of cool, like, you know, Dia de los Muertos or, mm-hmm. or, uh, all saints day or whatever you want to call it, whatever reiteration you want to call it. It's the same thing. It's like the dead walk the earth with the living, but it's kind of, it's kind of friendly. It's kind of cool. It's like, we're talking to our ancestors or we're opening the gates so we can communicate. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yes. It's scary because dead people walking the earth is scary as shit to us, but it's, it's, it's this cool sort of safe place, sort of safe horror and, the, you know, the legend of sleepy hollow is a perfect example of that story. It's like, it's like the segue into horror for young kids and young adults before they get hardcore into the Jason's and Freddy's. Um, and, and I think so many people I've talked to when it comes to like the headless horseman, they all feel that way. It's something in their childhood that they never forget. There's, they just can't place their finger on it. Like why they're so enamored, why that's such a, a wonderful story. But I think in my opinion, that's what it is. It's just like, even as a little kid, it was that fun, safe, scary thing that you could scare yourself, but not really have any real, nothing was really at stake, you know? Yeah. I also think Western cultures in a lot of regards um, sort of remove their relationship with death in, in as many ways as possible. I, I've read about yeah. how like pre-Civil War, for example, dead bodies would often be kept at home for many days as yeah. part of the, the morning ritual right? in the closure ritual. Whereas nowadays, the moment someone passes, yeah. they get, you know, if they're not already in a hospital, they get whisked off and yeah. you don't see them again until the wake. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's a different kind of relationship that we have with death and, yeah. and the 
people whom I was listening to, I think this might have been a podcast, they were sort of making the argument that our um, unhealthy relationship with death is sort of because so many of these traditions have been removed. If you look at other cultures, especially ancient cultures that have much different relationship and understanding of death, Halloween seems to be, uh, although it's you know very commercialized and I'm sure – 90% of the people out there just it's just another holiday to you know dress like a sexy pea or carrot and, <laughs> and yeah. you know get drunk yeah but even in then I think it's it's the one even if you just none of what we're talking about yeah. resonates and it's just uh you guys are just being pretentious and it's <laughs> just a good time to dress up and have a good time even if that's your standpoint I do think yeah. on a subconscious level, it allows us an opportunity to dabble one toe in death and totally. make amends with it on some level, on, on some subconscious level. You know, like everyone gets spooked by the things they can't see, the things that are moving in the darkness, yeah. the shadows, right? Yes. We, had a, we, have a, we have a rat that lives outside of our house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can hear him up in the grapefruit tree sometimes. Yeah. And I know what it is. I know it's a rat. I've seen what? the fucker. I saw yeah. the fucker, you know, yeah. scurry across the the, the <laughs> uh, storm drain and at the roof of the house. And yeah. I know what it is. Yeah. And yet, when I hear it every time, yeah. there's a, there's a there's a there's a chill that goes down my spine. There's right, this, right. This, this worry that it's something else. Even yeah. you know, last night, you know, I'm kind of most of us are in the backyard, and yeah. I'm coming up to the front to make sure no one's at the door. Mm-hmm. And there's just this innate just slight murmuring of fear that like, what if I open a door and there's a fucking ax murderer right outside, like ready to chop my head off and I'll go rolling down the steps with my leather face mask, you know? (laughs) So I just, I I love this time of year because it it allows us to ask questions and talk about things that we just don't, most of the year, you you brought up Dias los Muertos. That's a, that's actually ironically mostly rooted in American, um, Latin culture. Uh-huh. It's not as much rooted yeah. in Mexico. Mm. Um, some small circles, rural areas, but it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't a big mainstream thing. In fact, yeah, there's a giant Dilas de los Muertos parade that occurs in Mexico City now. Yes. But it never did until oh. James Bond Spectre was shot there. And yes. and they they hosted as part of a scene yeah. a giant Dias de los Muertos parade. Nice. And the town was like, fuck it, we'll just keep this thing going. Why not? Why not? I think it's it's really interesting. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like Halloween for Western culture is like I, I, I equate it to kind of like um it's like all these, let's say, conservative politicians who are always like, you know, anti this, anti that, anti gay, anti abortion. Yet they're the ones who are, you know, it, you know, ext- extremely behind closed doors. There, they do whatever they they want, but it exactly goes against what they're preaching. You know, like right. they're always that kind of people. And I think it's the same with Halloween. It's like we skirt death because in Western culture it's taboo, whereas mm-hmm. in like in India, they parade. They literally parade bodies in the streets when someone dies. They they, they do a whole party where they they the bodies flopping around and they're carrying them in the middle of the streets. And like a lot of Asian cultures are very pragmatic about death. And it's like, okay, well, that really sucks for the family, but no big deal. They're going to be born, you know, in in a couple months and come back as something else, and all's good. And it was their time because of karma and blah blah blah. And they just have a very pragmatic and practical way of looking at death whereas to us it's like super taboo but like halloween is our one time a year where you can hang uh somebody from the gallows outside your house and have a right. seven 
them and have the entrails hanging out. And it's fucking cool. Like, like everyone's cool with that because we, we, it's sort of like, it's the scariest thing to us, but we're literally putting it on front street or facing our fears and going, you know, death is not that bad because inside of us all, um, we know that, you know, that, that there's something beyond death essentially, you know, like it's not just, it's, it's not a finite thing. I mean, I, I, I don't know very many people that truly believe that in their soul of souls. I'm sure there are some, but, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a, a pretty rare thing. Um, so I don't know. Very, I think it's always our time to do that. Yeah. Very few, uh, atheists in a foxhole, as they say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a Christina Grimmie who got shot in the face, by the way. I even mm. a fan of hers before she died, but she has a saying, uh, she has a cool song about, about that about people it's basically essentially that where the whole things are like you don't believe in god you don't believe in god but she gives all these examples like you know when the turbulence is rocking the rocking the plane back and forth all of a sudden you find yourself praying or like when your son or daughter are out till two in the morning and your their cell phone's off and you can't get a hold of them on a saturday night you know all of a sudden you start praying or you or you you go to that higher power and like please just let them be okay kind of thing or a million different scenarios which is exactly your point. There's no true atheist out there. <laughs> no, and it's funny too because the the skeptic would say, "Well, it's just our inability to uh, comprehend a, a death and and a, a situation which we can't control." As we yeah. to earlier, and and I I I have a hard time believing that because first off, it's arrogant. But secondly, yeah. like we constantly confront death in some way or form, mm-hmm. um, and we don't think twice about it. Yeah. I, 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 and you know, of course, like not, it's a very Western mindset that cultures um, that are quote unquote superstitious, like in Thai culture, for example, are um, less evolved and less, right, right. less whatever. Yeah. Um, but perhaps, you know, if everything we're talking about, if you want to boil it down to science, not yet uncovered yeah. or not yet understood fully or recognized fully right if we want to just say these are just energetic forces that we cannot properly perceive yet and maybe someday the technology will allow us to do so yeah then you would certainly lend credence to the fact that perhaps some cultures just like in all things in life just have a deeper perception of things than we do in other areas yes you know some people can read a room and some people can't some people are socially awkward yeah right yeah. Some people are uh, – Dwayne Johnson yeah. could sell, uh, I don't know, snow to the abominable smo- snowman, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, at a premium, 300% markup because yeah. he's just – he just it has that perception yeah. to read people and to communicate with them in the way that is most um, absorbed by them and accepted by them. Yeah. So perhaps one could look at some of these different cultures that have a different – relationship with death and and spooky things and look at it not so much that they're somehow not as evolved as us who has such an unhealthy relationship with death regardless of what you actually believe yeah and perhaps that there's maybe we've just lost some of our perceptions over time maybe uh maybe you know like they say if you drink coffee a lot like it kills some of your taste buds yeah you know yeah uh which i probably have almost none left at this point Yeah. Uh, maybe it's like that. Maybe over time, most of us over over here on the West, we've just kind of lost some of those yeah. innate senses that allow us to better understand, even if we don't 
perceive it, the world, the greater world around us and how it works. Yeah, exactly. And it's the whole reason why, you know, it's again, I, and like I said in the beginning, when you're, when you're a kid and when you're young, you seem to be in tune to these like otherworldly things more. So many people have that same experience. And as they get older and more into, you know, the nine to five and conditioned into what's acceptable and what's not, Oh, you, you saw a ghost, you're fucking crazy. You know, you must be crazy or you're whatever you, you have a mental issue. Whereas in Thailand, it's the opposite. And I always say, you know, those cultures, China, Thailand, the whole, all of Asia, they've been around documented 3000 plus years. Right. Mm -hmm. So they must've learned something in that time. Like they're, they're the oldest cultures, you know, with the exception of Africa and all that, but they're amongst the oldest cultures in the world and certainly the middle east and all those cultures have ghosts and superstition it's only you know the western world of you know europe only half of europe the london the the england half of europe and then like america and place canada australia places like that that steer away from um steer away from beliefs in ghosts and the other world and all that stuff so it's a pretty modern thing um but again how much do you think of that as just denial? Like, you know, you get older when you're kids, you always see kids and they, they, um, yeah, you know, they, they, they see, they see dead people. They yeah. whatever talk yeah. to animals, et cetera. Yeah. And as we get older, we should understand more, uh, more concretely what death is. And, and yet like the idea that you could see a specter, yeah. it's like, Oh no, no, no. That's imaginary. Yeah. Right. I- yeah. How how much of it's because it's quote unquote imaginary and how much of it's because recognizing something quote unquote supernatural yeah. is accepting death and all right, can you hear me now? Oh yeah, there we go, there we go. I think I accidentally hit the mute button. Yeah. Um, um do you know what I'm saying? Like like as we get older, we should be yeah. we should be uh, more in tune with death, and yet I think that yeah. we run away from it and we dispel any any interference or, or any interaction with something on the other side as uh, woo, so yeah. that we can pretend it doesn't exist for a bit longer. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely true. I can I can remember in my own personal life, you know, I used to I used to see a lot of stuff and have a lot of visions, and you know, it's hard to say what were dreams and what was reality. But I used to have a lot of other otherworldly experiences, and I remember. You know, of course, it frightened me because it was it was something that was out of norm and I wasn't used to. And I remember specifically saying, because because my mother, on the other hand, she was she was very spiritual and she believed in all kinds of stuff. She was a staunch Catholic conservative, but but still, she believed in like you know angels and demons and paranormal and all that stuff. So she accepted all that stuff, and I would come to her with stories of like, oh, I just saw this thing, or like you know something woke me up in the middle of the night and did. XYZ, like this definitely, like I felt it was real. I don't know if it's a dream or not, whatever. Um, and she would, she was be like, yeah, that, that stuff exists. It happens all the time. Like that's not, that's nothing normal. And then I remember at a certain age, I was like, you know, I don't want to be scared anymore. I don't want to see these things. Like I don't want to um, experience these things. So I, I was making a conscious decision to shut those things off. And that probably coincided with, you know, about the time I stopped having uh, experiences like that. Um, mm. So, who knows? You know, it's it's hard to, it's hard to say, but I definitely believe there's stuff out there that we don't understand. But you know, in as I get older, 
I've never really been scared of ghosts. Like you, you hear people like all these ghost hunter shows and go to an old asylum and they'll be like, Oh, you know, Oh, this person wants us out of here. They say, get out of here. We don't belong here. And Oh, a chair moves and they're getting angry now and there's bad vibes. I don't really feel that. I, I mean, I'm, uh, it certainly could happen, but I always felt that like, if, if there is uh, another world and or another dimension or whatever you want to call it, and somebody's reaching out to you, it's probably because they need help of some sort, you know, like, yeah. and that's across cultures. Like maybe they want you to say a prayer. It just depends on what your cultural belief is, but maybe it's a prayer. Maybe uh, it's uh, finding out how they died. Maybe it's uh, forgiving them for something they did bad in their past, whatever it is. They're not trying to kill you. It's not like, they're not like, fuck you, you're, you're alive and I'm going to kill you. Like I, I've, I've never felt that way. So when I go to morgues and cemeteries and abandoned buildings, um, I'm never really scared that I, even in the worst of places, I, I, I never feel that. Cause I feel like one, they can't really do any physical harm to you. I mean, maybe they could have a cold chill and maybe they could, you know, something, but it's not like, it's not like they could really kill you. And I just feel like, I don't know, I, I just feel a sense of, of compassion for them. Because usually if there are ghost stories, it's because like someone was killed or died in a horrible way or was, was were forgotten or whatever. It's usually those places where people experience ghosts. So that just, to me, it just means, again, it could be that film strip of something bad happened there. Like it just, it just keeps playing over and over and over and over. I, I heard this interesting thing where, talking about multiverse too where somebody said i don't know where i saw it where hell is not hell is not brims fire and brimstone and boiling flesh and all that hell is when who you are sees what you could have been so all those choices you took of drinking the beer or staying up late or marrying this person or disbelieving this or taking this job or whatever led to where you are now and then this is what you see is where you could have been if you made all the right decisions mm. and hell is realizing that that your potential was here, but you only ended up here. That's something somebody said. And that kind of struck me as like, that's really I, interesting. Yeah. I could actually see that. Yeah. I, I, um, I've kind of come to believe in, in my latter years that when you read the Bible, if you read the Bible and they talk about heaven and hell, firstly, um, when I was in uni, there was a professor. I took a. I took a. Uh, I went to a, a Christian college my first year in university, mm-hmm. and I had a class that was reviewing the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And the teacher did a really great job. The professor did a great job of explaining some of the historical significance yeah. around certain things you read. Like for example, hell, as it's described in the Bible, yeah. um, was most likely based off this giant valley outside of the region where people would burn trash, and so mm-hmm. it was this. 24 seven inferno because they don't have landfills or garbage trucks. You took your trash to the, to right. the burning pot, you know, burning pit and you threw your trash in. Right. And if you were trying to describe to um, farmers and, and folks yeah. who maybe don't have a deep educational background yeah. as was the custom back then, you would use something that anyone could relate to. Right. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, you know, in a region where honey and milk was probably a luxury. Right. Gold certainly was. Yeah. If you want to describe heaven, you say, yeah. well, it's rivers of honey and milk and yeah. streets of gold, right? Right, yeah. But I've come to I've come to sort of think 
that we what happens in in the Christian religions is that they they've moved so far away from their magical roots, mm. um, you know, their astrotheurgy roots that that they you know even the 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 Catholic Church and you'll appreciate this relatively recently banned Latin masses. <laughs> right. They just don't do Latin masses anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. And so um, I think that what happened over time was they separated everything. Heaven and hell are over here in this realm. Yeah. And earth is this realm. And yeah. there's a big divide. Right. And and I'm more of a believer of as above, so below, as within, so without. And so right. I think that heaven and hell yeah. are actually just states of living now. Yeah. Yeah. If you are in accordance to a divine source that you believe in, yeah. if you are following your will, yeah. if you are doing what you were designed to do on this earth, you're in heaven. Right. And if you rebel against all those things, if you disconnect from any deeper spiritual connection, it doesn't have to be God. It could be yeah. the environment. It could be yeah. your loved ones, whatever it may be, right? Yeah. If you divorce yourself from that yeah. and you um, are living – in an opposition of your will, opposition of your true self, yeah. opposition of the things, the skills that you were innately born with, developed, learned. If you're if you're a, a serious painter and you're working at a gas stop, that's hell. Right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Totally. Even if you were impoverished and you were painting and you were creating and 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 being appreciated, yeah. that would be heaven. Even if it, it doesn't necessarily connect financially, right? I mean, yeah. Van Gogh famously doesn't get famous till well after his death. But yeah. he was at least doing, although maybe perhaps from his perception, he was living in hell. Right. He was yeah. doing what he was meant to do. Yeah. Exactly. I think that you're right, though. But certainly, if you can't see it during your your day to day life, yeah, on your deathbed, yeah. you certainly would be able to recant all yeah. the things you did in life that you're proud of, and yeah. all the things you did in life that you right. wish you could have changed, or wish you could have gone back and done, or experienced, yeah. or not missed, or or what have you. Exactly. Yeah. Now, being back in the States, because uh, although um, you said Thailand started to get into into Halloween, I was just in Australia not long ago. They kind of do Halloween, but it it is, while while its origins aren't rooted in America, Halloween as we know it is pretty pretty much an American holiday. Yeah, we took it over, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's what we do. We colonialize it. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, But- so, but now that you're in the states for the first time in nearly three years, yes, right, yeah, two years for sure, two years about about two years almost exactly. Three years, are, are, two years of Halloween. I wasn't here. I haven't been. This is the first Halloween in three years, but it's been two years since I've been in the states. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you are you are you doing? I mean, I know you're working, obviously. So, there's yeah. probably sleep yeah. mostly is involved in your weekends. But like, are you trying to do anything sort of uh, unique for Halloween since since you actually are sort of engrossed in the culture right now? I'll tell you what. Uh, it's, it's been a joy for me because it's, it's honestly, people tell me, people ask me all the time, you know, first of all, Thailand is paradise, great food, beautiful weather, uh, beautiful people, peaceful, safe, uh, paradise. So I have nothing bad. I love it. However, people say, you know, what do you miss? And it's always the same things I miss. It's, it's American culture, believe it or not. I, I put that in quotes, but we do have a culture, you know, football season, um, mm-hmm. st- stuff I can't get hamburgers, cheeseburgers, steaks, milkshakes, pizza, um, and Halloween and Christmas, Halloween and Christmas are huge. And in Thailand, you know, the only reason they have them is because there's some foreign expats there and they, they, they started like in the bars where 
you know, the, the women would dress up, you know, for Halloween or, or Christmas. And then it, it migrated to the malls where they would have a little display. And now they're slowly, you know, I, I, I've been living there off and on for 20 years. I met my wife 22, 23 years ago. So I've seen Thailand over, over two decades and they're just now like, now if you go to Starbucks, they'll have a pumpkin spice latte. If you go mm. to uh, Dunkin' Donuts, they'll have a jack-o'-lantern uh, donut. Only one though. Um, that's hobo food. That's hobo food. So, so it is hobo food. So for me, it's just been, it's been great because all the cultural things, it's football season, it's fall. I'm in Jersey where, you know, it's pr- pr- predominantly Italian immigrants. So you get all the Italian food. Um, I'm drinking pumpkin spice beers. I'm drinking pumpkin spice lattes. I'm seeing decorations here in the Jersey shore. They have these beautiful Victorian homes all along the beach. And it's a very wealthy part of the country. So the homes are magnificent. They're like the Sopranos, like Tony Sopranos home. (laughs) And a lot of them are decked out. So it's been really great for me, um, getting immersed in the culture again. I just go, just, just going to a bar. Like it's so different in Thailand and, you know, I don't really go to bars in Thailand because most bars in Thailand, to be honest, are you go there to find a woman. <laughs> and I'm not looking for women anymore. You know, I'm, I'm not on the market anymore. So um, to go here and just sit down and drink a pumpkin spice beer and eat a slider and watch uh, the NFL football game, it's like, it's it's amazing. It's cool. It's the, it's the stuff I miss all in one. So I've had a blast in this in this week. Yeah, I can be very critical about America, and rightfully so, I think, in a lot of instances. But yeah. you know, you do. There are there will just certainly be things that you'll miss when you go abroad, even if you, yeah, if you, if you like them. You know, like just this morning, Jess and I were talking about whether or not to get a a fake tree versus a real tree. Yeah, yeah. And I and I essentially said over my, no, my over my dead body, would I ever get a fake tree? But right. in Australia. Yeah. They just don't have Christmas trees. It's oh, very hard to get. Like it's yeah. a tropical island. Yeah, exactly. And, and their Christmas is during their summer, so right, right. Um, yeah, it's just not the same kind of thing. Whereas even though I live in California, which yeah. also doesn't really get snow, like I could go to the Home Depot and there's a bunch of trees. I can get one for sixty bucks, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, versus five hundred bucks in Australia. So there, there are certainly some cultural things that, in spite of all of its legitimate criticisms, America has that would be yeah. really challenging to give up. And I could see we're coming back. It would be fun to just sort of, even if it's just, especially during this time period, oh, like, it. like, like Halloween to Christmas is like the best time to be in America. And then after that, I can fuck off. But yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. hundred percent. And it's funny. This is the first year, like I've been, <laughs> I've been, you know, since my kids were babies out of the womb, I've been feeding them a steady diet of Halloween and Christmas culture and Disney and Pixar and Tim Burton and all that kind of stuff. And, um, this is the first year my daughter, you know, she's 19 now. And this is the first year it's like that light kind of went on. Like I did my job and now she's like, Hey dad, check out this cool ass, you know, like uh jack-o'-lantern uh, cake I saw or look at these cool designs. Or it's like, she painted my wife's nails all like nightmare before Christmas. Like it's, it's finally like that little slice of American culture has made it passed on to the next generation. So I kind of like feel proud, like, okay, I did my job. I'm, I, <laughs> I indoctrinated <laughs> the next generation into uh, Halloween and Christmas, which is they're, they're magical. There's just something about those holidays, even though, you know, the atheist would say those are all just self-fabricated, but my God, 
you cannot tell me you, there's not a certain feeling you get, you know, whether it's fall, pumpkin spice, scary movies, cemetery walks, what have you, or Christmas, just the, the music and the smells and the food and the, and the festivity in the air. I don't care. I don't give a fuck if that's fabricated or not. It's one of the yeah. best experience I've had in life and it will always will be. So if we're living in the matrix, if we're creating this, who the fuck cares? I'm happy to be part of those particular things. Like those, those things make me feel good and I'm, I love them. And it's, it's the one thing that America got right. I feel like the rest of it, like you said, can go fuck itself. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, you're right. You're right. Listen, it, it, the season essentially starts off with an appreciation of those who have, who are no longer with us mm-hmm. an appreciation of those who have moved on yeah. and confronting death in and of itself, which is, which is a, a, um, you know, not to overuse the term, but it's a magical experience to, yeah. to stare at your shadow self, stare at the things that you don't normally confront yeah. and, and face them. Totally. If you celebrate, if you, if you practice magic, it's also a time period when you can let things go. Right. You can, you can, you know, leave a parts of yourself behind. It, it is sort of the third act of the year. Yeah, right. So you start with that. Yeah. And then you move into Thanksgiving. And regardless of what you feel about the historical realities of the origin of Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's a time to celebrate the harvest. It's a time to celebrate those around you. So you go from sort of confronting death to this deep level of appreciation, hopefully, with those whom you love and for the prosperity that's been brought into your life. And then you sort of wrap it up with Christmas, which, again, devoid it from – uh, you know, if you could separate it from the sort of Christian roots, yeah. Uh, if even if you're celebrating the, the solstice or you're celebrating Hanukkah, yeah. you're celebrating a very magical time where yeah. we are really at our most appreciative. Yeah. I mean, to me, honestly, I, I love Halloween. Yeah. Christmas is my favorite time of year. Yeah. yeah. And, and really, I can't. That's really boiling it down because it's really. Halloween to Christmas, those three yeah. months, like the end of October, middle, middle end of October yeah. to the end of December yeah. is my absolute favorite time of year. And yeah. as we, cro- as we cross the winter solstice, yeah. we cross the the darkest night of the year. Yeah. And then from then on out, we're in the sunlight again, but for yeah. this brief right. magical period of three months, we exist in the shadows and it's in that shadow realm that some of the things that, add enchantment to life can most be found. Yeah. Totally agree. And no, you know what's interesting? Like so many, so many cultures across the world, of course Halloween, you know, is not an is not an American holiday. But even in Thailand, which is completely Eastern Buddhism, has nothing to do with the Western world, their their sort of beliefs line up pretty similar. They have a they have a holiday similar to ours where the portals open and Mm -hmm. the dead and the living can intermingle for like one night during a full moon. And it's get, it's got the same feeling. You feel the same vibe. And then they have Loikatong, which is like their Thanksgiving where you thank mother earth and you put like a snippet of your hair or a fingernail on a bamboo shoot. You put it down the river and you thank you know, the earth and, and whoever you want to call it, be it Buddha or whatever for letting us sort of impose on creation and thanks for all the nutrients and the elements. And we're sorry we fucked you up, but you know, thanks for another year and all that kind of stuff. And then you roll into Thai new year, which is like a sort of rebirth, you know, just like Chinese Mm -hmm. new year, like, okay, let's start it all over again. Let's, let's try to start off on a, on a good foot. So like 
these things are, you know, cross-cultural. They have different names. They have different, certainly have different religions, different beliefs, but those concepts are across the board in humanity, no matter what you call them. Um, and I think it's, it's really cool. And they go in the same progression, which is cool. It's like death, you know, like acknowledging death, acknowledging um, our mortality, uh, respecting ancestors, and then like sort of forgiveness of my bad, sorry I did this, we're thankful we're all together, and then sort of rebirth, like Christmas is and, and Hanukkah and all those things is like this season of giving and joyfulness. It doesn't matter if you put a little seven pound baby Jesus in a manger or, you know, you put uh, the, the candles out on the window for, you know, the Jewish people or whatever you do. It's the same concept of like joyful time, a time of giving, a time of rebirth, a time of starting over. Like it's cross-cultural and I think it's amazing. And it's, it is, it's the best time of year, but there's something to be said about Americans. Like, I don't know. We, we really fucking dialed in on that one. And I don't know, you know, I, I I hate capitalism for a lot of reasons, but you know, watching Charlie Brown specials, watching the Great Brown, uh, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and just all those things you experience from Halloween, Christmas, uh, and football season, all that stuff, just it's just a great, it's just a magical thing, and though, that's what I miss the most when I'm not here, you know. So I agree one one hundred percent. Well, uh, how how long will you be in New Jersey uh, and? Yeah. Well, for how long will you be in New Jersey? First off, I'm supposed to be in New Jersey till uh, the second week in December, so just before Christmas. That's when we're supposed to finish shooting. Yeah. And then, are you shooting home, or you got other things in no. the in the no, coffers? I'm, I'm gonna go to Michigan to see Dan for a little bit. We got to clear up a lot of our business stuff, and then I'm gonna head to LA, and I should be in LA till the third week in January, and then I'm gonna go back to Thailand after that. So it's a three it's a three month trip trip for me. It's basically you know, uh, uh, third week of October to the third week of January in the States, basically. Well, there's a strong possibility that could be going back up to upstate New York in January. So, really, uh, yes. So I I will keep you, uh, I will keep you posted on that if that comes to fruition because you might have to, uh, make adjust your plans. Well, we can go hang out at my grave at sleepy hollow. Um, I do want to see that. And we could drink a beer over my own gravestone. That'd be cool. That actually would be really fun. <laughs> yeah, talk about embracing your mortality. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. We'll have a funeral for you now. Yeah, we'll have a funeral. We can even piss on my grave. I don't mind. <laughs> well, Jude, thank you, as always. I can't think of anyone to celebrate a Halloween special <laughs> with more than you. And you, um, dear you are You are a, a, a brilliant and prolific artist in your own right. You are, you are a film producer. You are a film director. You are a published author yes. amongst many other things. Let people know where they can get all your awesome work. Yeah. Just basically look up Judas Walkle across the board, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you'll see me everywhere. Please check out my book, The Unhallowed Horseman, especially this time of year, Halloween. It's sleepy hollow. It's horror. It's a contemporary remake. It's awesome. It's got amazing reviews, even among the horror community. I just need to get the word out. So buy a copy or if you want a copy, if you can't afford a copy, reach out to Dave Oscuro and I will get you a free copy if need be. But read that book, especially around this season. It's awesome. And it's the Headless Horseman reimagined. You'll fucking love it. And then I got a movie called The Incantation with Dean Kane. Check it out. It's around everywhere. If you want to see that, uh, we shot in a castle in France. So good time. So check them all out. It is very excellent. So Jude, happy Halloween. You too. 
Thank you for your time. I hope you get some tricks and treats tomorrow. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. <laughs> Many thanks to Jude once again for coming on the show and being such a lovely guest. You know, it's an interesting thing, especially with someone like Jude, whom I know so well. I, even less than normal, go into it with any sort of plan. With him, it's like jazz. We could really just riff off the cuff. And knowing really the only parameters for this episode was that it was going to be a Halloween special, um, I thought we went into some really interesting territories, talking about death and life and the reincarnation and what lies but beyond the veil of life uh, you know uh, fears anxieties and how all these things play a role in this celebration that we call halloween you know Samhain for those who celebrate the more um ancient celtic tradition um all hallows eves dilas which is the next couple of days after and all of these celebrations find a way to introduce back into our lives a healthy understanding and respect for death, the dead, and what is to come. And I think that we oftentimes don't think about these things when we think about Halloween. We mostly just think about all the fun stuff, candy and treats, costumes and parties and horror movies. And I love all those things. Those things are wonderful. Candy corn, cannot forget candy corn. Please, someone let me know if there's vegan candy corn anywhere in the world because I haven't been able to find it in many, many years. But these are the things that are are perfectly fine and, and awesome to celebrate. But just beneath the surface, as is always the case... I think that there are some deeper uh, ideas, concepts, and understandings to be found as to why we find such joy in something so macabre. I think inherently all of us understand that there is a better relationship to be had with the unknown, and we in this modern society that we've built have kind of gotten away from that. But for one night of the year, one special evening when all the rules of normal society are kind of cast out, we can put that mask on and through that mask, through that character that we create, maybe get in tune with who we are as a, as a species, as a humanity, as it relates to our relationship with the dark, the macabre, the scary, the horrific, death, demons, all these shadowy moments and parts of our makeup we get to address, even if it's on a subconscious level. So I hope you all have a wonderful Halloween today. It's Monday, October 31st. I hope you all celebrate. I hope you all have treats as well as tricks to play on others in your neighborhood. Pass out candy to young kids. Make their holiday experience as good as yours was many years prior. But if you have a moment, if you have a little bit of silence, a little solitude, take an opportunity to think about some of these deeper issues that we're celebrating here, these deeper uh, paradigms that we're exploring here, and really get into the depth of it because the veil is thinnest, and from this point on, we leave behind what we no longer want to take forward with us. So why not do the shadow work, get deep inside, and really explore some of these darker elements of ourselves that we don't typically take time to address? A healthy relationship with death means a healthier life, in my opinion. So I want to thank you all once again for listening. I always appreciate it deeply. I want to thank Jude once again for being such a lovely guest. I want to wish you all a happy, happy Halloween. And until next time, gold rings on you all.
distance and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul, seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. You only want to socialize, but I don't think we should. A spooky, scary skeleton shouts startling, shrilly screams. They'll sneak from their sarcophagus and just won't leave you be. Bags of bones seem so unsafe, it's semi-serious.